Welcome to Music Theory for Songwriters. I'm Errol Oz, and through this series, you'll develop your music theory skills in order to elevate your songwriting game to the next level. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new season of Music Theory for Songwriters with me, your host, Errol Oz. I am here with my fun new little toy, the Apogee Hype Mic, uh, but I am in a completely untreated room, so if you hear any uh, little slapbacks coming off the wall, well, if you've ever wondered how important is acoustic treatment to the recording process, well, maybe this episode will give you a little bit of insight into that. Now, in a previous episode, we talked about the 1-6-4-5 chord progression that we heard in the song Stand By Me. So we've got 1, 6, 4, and 5. Great sounding chord progression. And let me tell you, Stand By Me is not the only song that uses this chord progression. Plenty of pop songs over the course of history have reused similar chord progressions, and that's just normal. You can't copyright a chord progression. So if you hear that and you're like, ooh, I like that, but I don't want to be a copycat, well, there is no such thing as copywriting a chord progression. So don't even worry about that. There are so many elements to your song that will vary it, you know, from the melody to the lyrical content to the beat, the tempo marking, the instrumentation, all of these things give your song a unique character, even if it happens to use the same or similar chords to a pre-existing song. So I'm gonna start here with our one chord. And for the time being, just for simplicity's sake, I'm in the key of G. Now the next chord in Stand By Me is the sixth chord. So let's talk about why do these chords fit so well together? Well, the notes that make up our one chord in the key of G are G, B, and D. So we start with G, we go up a third, we got B, we go up a third, we get D. Now in the sixth chord, the sixth chord is our E minor chord, because remember the sixth chords are diatonically minor in the key. Now if we look up at the notes, that make an E minor chord, we have E, G, and B. So notice, the one chord and the six chord have two common tones, the G and the B, which is why they make such a nice smooth transition from one to the next. So those two chords pair really well together. Now, another chord that we could substitute for the sixth chord is the three chord. Because the three chord contains also a B and a D, just like our tonic chord. So if I were to turn this chord progression around a little bit and do one, three, those two chords still pair really nicely together. Now, in Stand By Me, it goes to the sixth chord, so one, six. Now after the six chord, it goes to the four chord. Now the four chord in the key of G is our C major chord. So the C chord has one common note. It's got a G in there, just like our tonic chord does. So since it's only got one note in common with the tonic, we feel like we're moving further away from our home chord of the key, or our tonic chord. So it creates a little bit of tension moving further away from that tonic chord. 
I could do one, three, because it contains two common pitches with our tonic chord, and then move to four, and that's still a really nice sounding chord progression, even though it's not what we do in Stand By Me. Now, another substitution we could do for that four chord is we could put a two chord in there instead. So one, six, two, which would be an A minor chord in the key of G. Now, the two chord and the four chord are both what we call predominant chords in our phrase structure. So you can substitute a two for a four and you're both you know, both chords are going to sound really nice at that particular point in the phrase. So what I just played right there was one, six, four. Now I'm going to play one, six, two. And those three chords still sound really nice together. Now I could do another combination, one, three, because it shares two common chord tones with our tonic. Two also sounds really nice. We could do one, three, four. So if I'm gonna call G our first measure chord, and then for our second measure chord, we could have either the three or the six because of the two common tones with tonic. And then for our third measure chord, we're going to have one of those predominant chords, meaning either a two or a four chord. Now, by process of elimination, this means that for our fourth chord in the progression, we're either going to have a five or a seven chord. But I would argue that the five chord is much more common. Now, the five chord is what we call a dominant chord. Now, a five chord does have one common tone with the tonic chord, but it also contains the seventh note of the scale called the leading tone. And that leading tone, if you play it side by side with the tonic pitch, for example, my tonic is G, my leading tone is F sharp. When you play them side by side, they really clash against each other. So that's why, you know, this five chord any chord that contains a leading tone pitch, a seventh note of the scale, is gonna create a sense of tension in our phrase that needs to resolve at the end. So that's why, you know, you'll see this four chord loop of one, six, four, five, and then the five will loop back to the one chord to resolve the tension that we create through that leading tone. Now, you could use a seven chord at the end of your chord progression, but keep in mind, the seven chord is a diminished chord. And what I just played there was a half diminished seventh chord. But the seven chords sound kind of jazzy, um, but you know, if you're writing a commercial pop song, you might, you know, you might not see that quite as commonly because you get a little bit of dissonance on that seven chord, as opposed to the five chord, which does create tension relative to the one chord, but by itself, it sounds like a pretty consonant major chord. So let me play several different combinations of this four chord structure. You know, measure one, we're starting on our tonic chord to establish a nice clear sense of what key we're in. The second measure, 
we're seamlessly transitioning into a chord that has two common tones with tonic. The third measure, we're using a predominant chord, meaning a two or a four chord. And then for the fourth measure, we're using a five or a seven chord, something that has that leading tone to create a sense of tension that needs to resolve back to our tonic. So let me just play a couple of different variations on that chord progression. So we've got one, six, four for our predominant, five for our dominant. Back to one. You've heard that chord progression thousands of times. But there's a reason for that. There's a really just smooth, seamless transition to create a sense of shape and direction in our phrase, but the chords also pair together for those various reasons of the number of chord tones they have in common or whether or not they contain a leading tone. So now I'm gonna do, I'm gonna substitute the six chord for a three chord. So one, three, four, five. Also a great sounding chord progression. Now I'm gonna do one, six, two for our predominant chord, five for our dominant chord with the leading tone, and back to one. Now that one, six, two, five chord progression has been used all over the place in a lot of the crooner era songs or the standards. If you were to turn on a greatest hits of Frank Sinatra or Bing Crosby, you'd hear that one, six, two, five chord progression happen all over the place. So hopefully this episode has shed a little bit of insight on not just what the chord progression from that famous song was, but why it works. So you can come up with, let's see, quite a few different permutations on that basic phrase structure. So bar one, contain your tonic chord, to establish a center of what key you're in. Give the listener a grounded sense of we're in the key of G or we're in the key of whatever your song happens to be in. Second bar, we move away from tonic and create just a little bit of tension, but still a pretty seamless transition by containing a chord that has two common tones with our one. Measure three, we move to a predominant chord, which contains fewer common tones with our original tonic but also creates just a little bit of sense of tension and forward movement in the chord progression. And then we move to our five chord, which contains that leading tone pitch, which needs to resolve back to our tonic. Now there are exceptions. Obviously you're gonna hear chord progressions that don't perfectly follow this mold, but you're gonna hear many that do. So my general thought is, if you've got a good sounding chord progression and it doesn't follow this pattern, do it. If it sounds good, it is good. But my general thought process is learn common chord progressions, understand why they sound good together. And if you can understand the why of it all, which I think is probably why you're even listening to this podcast in the first place, you don't just want to know what chords are in a song. You want to know why they work. You want to know how that can help enhance your own songwriting. So again, hopefully I've been able to shed a little bit of insight on a couple of these common chord patterns. So I'll play just about every permutation of that pattern I can think of right now. So we'll start with one, six, four, five. Now I'm gonna replace the chord in measure two. One, three, four, 
five. Now I'm gonna go one, six, replace the third chord with a two, five. Now I'm gonna replace one, three, four, five. Now I'm gonna do one, three, two, five. And they all sound nice and they all work because they sort of follow that flow chart of start with your tonic to establish a clear sense of what key the song is in, move to a chord that seamlessly transitions from the tonic chord with some common tones, move to a chord that has fewer common tones to create a little bit of tension, and then move to, in your fourth bar, a chord that contains a leading tone to create the most amount of tension. So we build a little bit of tension as our phrase continues, and then we resolve that tension by looping it back to the one chord. I'll talk more in a later episode about little tricks where maybe a five chord doesn't go to a one chord or you know other substitutions we can put in, but I think this episode is a great start. Welcome back, and I look forward to the next episode. That's it for this episode. Make sure to follow on Spotify and social media at Errol Oz Music. That's E-R-O-L-O-Z Music. Thanks for listening. Cheers.